Okay, so right off the top, this next slide is your spoiler alert about next week. So in case you weren't here for the wonderful announcements, next week, we will be having baptisms. And I'm super excited about it. Um, and I was thinking this morning, like, here's the thing. Uh, probably the vast majority of us in this room have been baptized before or uh, maybe even heard a message on baptism. And so what's really easy to do whenever you hear somebody speaking about something that you think that you know already about or you do already know about is check out and think about where you're going to go for lunch or whatever. But I want to challenge you to do something different. Are you ready? Here's the thing. I think next week, I got super excited when David was prophesying because I'm like, that is what I'm believing will happen in the waters of baptism next week is all of that, all of that transformation, all of that exchange. And so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to stay with me today. And as we go through what scripture says about baptism and what happens during baptism, I want you to get excited for every single person who's going to get baptized next week about what's going to happen for them. And then I want you to get up next Sunday morning and I want you to bring all of your faith and all of your expectation about what God can do for these people. And I want you to, in your, you know, in your spirit, put it in the waters of baptism and get ready to see something. Can we do that? So as we look at baptism today, I want you to get excited about what's going to happen next week. Good? All right. So, um, I want to, I want to start by saying I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up, uh, straight up heathen, really. Uh, Canadian heathen, Canadian heathen, it's slightly different, yeah, it's less, it's less an American heathen, okay, well, you know, I didn't know, um, straight up heathen, and, uh, but I did grow up with a bunch of Baptist cousins, yeah, and they get taught to evangelize early, these kids, I mean, they're, they're into it, and, uh, so whenever we go up to the cottage, um, my, my Baptist cousins would try and talk to me about the Lord and about how Jesus loves me. And, and I was growing up uh, in an abusive home with alcoholic parents, and the world was a terrifying place for me. And so I would just be like, go so crazy somewhere else. So it was always interesting. You know, they never gave up, though. And in the summers, sometimes we would stay for a couple weeks at the same time, all up at the cottage. And so um, being as they were Baptist, they would have a family Bible study every morning when they were there in the summer. Usually I went outside. I was not interested. But this one morning, I think perhaps my uncle partnered with Jehovah Sneaky and came up with a plan. And so he started by saying, guys, today we're going to do something different. So I'm listening. I'm just about to head out. I'm like, hmm, something different. wonder what he's going to do, you know? And he says, we're going to memorize some scripture verses. And whoever comes back first with these verses memorized, I will give you a movie ticket and you can have another movie ticket for one of the other cousins. So we get to pick which cousin comes with us. We're going to the movies. Guys, we were in the middle of nowhere in the summer. There's a limit to how much you can do in the forest. There were movie tickets on the line and I can memorize stuff, right? So I was like, so I sort of edged in on the scenario and I said, Uncle Paul, can anybody participate? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so if I memorize the verses, I get the movie tickets? And he's like, yep. I'm like, all right, let's do this. I had to 
borrow a Bible from someone else, but um, <laughs> grandma had lots. And we memorized Romans 6, 1 through 10. You try and memorize Romans 6, 1 through 10, and then not, like, and then forget about it. You, you can't. It gets in your head. Right? And so here I am memorizing this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? But I'm straight up heathen. Well, as heathen as a 12-year-old can be. Okay? Anyway. Um, so I memorized it first, and I got the movie tickets. Thank you. Thank you very much. But what I also got was 10 verses that floated around in my heart that just wouldn't let me go. It was like they were like following after me, like, <laughs> there's something more, right? And I didn't actually figure out the more of that for many years later, but I couldn't get those verses out of my head. And so to do you a favor, you shall now have them in yours. We're going to start by looking at Romans 6, verse 1, in the NASB, because Jesus preached from this version. That's correct. Okay. So it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You see how sneaky this passage was, right? I'm memorizing all this stuff and I'm living this horrible life and the whole thing is about a whole different life that's on offer. Isn't that cool? I was thinking this morning, I'm going to check with him and see if that was like as sneaky as I think it was or just inspired. If you keep reading, it talks about the exchange that has happened. And it's a marvelous, marvelous exchange. It says, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin um i i we here when we baptize people we say i baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and then we go dunk right but i remember in the in the baptist church they would say that and then they would say as they're shoving the person underwater. It always looked a little scary to me to begin with when I didn't know what was going on. You know, as they're putting them underwater, they'd say, dead to sin and alive in Christ with each person that went under. That's what this is talking about. That's the exchange that happens, right? It's an exchange of old man to new man. It's exciting stuff. Tell your neighbor this is exciting stuff. Anyway, all those verses would run around in my head. They'd run around in my heart. And they kind of, in the best kind of way, this is not the right word, but I haven't come up with a better one. They sort of haunted me in a good way. Does that make sense? It's a horrible word, but do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it was always there in the background. 
what if there's something more? So today we're going to look at what is the more that happens through baptism? Sound good? Let's first talk about the who and the when. I like practicality. I like definitions. I am that person. We left-brainers unite. So who gets baptized? Believers in Jesus. Good, right? Good, solid definition. You with me? Okay. Um, In Scripture, it is often the very next step after somebody gives their life to Jesus is that they actually go and get baptized. And they get made clean, made ready to be with God. Yeah? So let's look at a couple other Scripture verses for fun. Acts 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's one of the things that happens when we get baptized is we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's good, right? So next week when you come, bring your expectation that every single person that's getting baptized is going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You with me? So bring that with you. Okay. Now let's look at Acts. Let's start at Acts 9 verse 17. It says, so Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized And he took food and was strengthened. So before he even ate, his immediate response was to get baptized, right? Which is why we get this feeling like, I have to do it. There's something in us that's calling us to do something that God has ordained to bring transformation. Does that make sense? In Acts 10, verses uh, 47 and 48, Cornelius and those with him were commanded to be baptized, and they become the first non-Jewish converts to Christianity. In Acts 16, 13 through 15, uh, Lydia and her household believed and were baptized. Also in Acts 16, with 16 through 34, you see the story of the Philippian jailer who is baptized with his whole household, right? Um, So it's a response of the heart to belonging to him. You with me so far? All right. This is one of my favorite baptism stories, and I'll tell you why after we finish reading it. Okay, so turn with me to Acts 8, if you have your Bibles with you. Verse 26, it says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, This is a desert road. So he got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Let's stop there for just a second. Can you imagine? So he's an Ethiopian official of the queen. So probably there's like, looks pretty impressive, right? 
And the Holy Spirit says to Philip, hey, go up and sit with that guy. It's probably not the norm. Are you with me? But the guy happens to be reading Isaiah. So verse 30, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now the passage of scripture, which he was reading, was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began from the scripture and preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water. Guys, that means it stood out, right? Okay. Okay, good. I just wanted to check. Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Then he came up out of the water, and the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. Okay, now, this is, there's so many things I love about this story. But this is the main one. Okay, so the road from Jerusalem to Gaza is a desert road, right? So, and when he says, look, water, that's because it's very unusual that water would be there, but very likely that the water that he points out belongs to some family that's collecting water potentially for drinking it, right? It's it's somebody's water reservoir because they live there in the desert. And the eunuch and Philip think that baptism is so important that these two dusty, hairy men climb into this family's drinking water in order to do a baptism because it needs to happen right away. That's kind of cool, right? There's an urgency about what happens in baptism. Super cool. The other thing that's really cool is Philip just disappears and the guy goes, Okay. And he just goes on his way rejoicing. (laughs) Right? Just like completely normal. Completely normal. So who gets baptized? Anybody who gives their life to Jesus. The why, there's probably like a simple one, which is just obedience. Obedience to scripture, right? Go and be baptized. Okay. Um. It actually changes our lives. It, it's, it's part of like when, when Jeff talks about partnering with the prophetic, it's partnering with what, how God set things up, right? It's part of saying, I'm saying yes. It's, it's a public declaration that says I'm wearing the team jersey, right? And that's why we do it with our friends and with our family so that we can all be in it together. Does that make sense? Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, there's always, it's, it's interesting because, uh, okay, let's just do it this way. Are you allowed to be baptized more than once? Yes, you are. I'm going to show you in scripture in case you're concerned. Um, but you are allowed to be baptized more than once. I've been baptized three times. I don't think I'm like an, an extra extraordinary sinner that I needed to be baptized three times. Uh, but I got baptized once uh, when I was with YWAM. And I'd never been baptized before. Well, I'd been um, sprinkled baptized. <laughs> that, that kind. Um, and I was with YWAM and we were in Honduras and... They were baptizing people in the ocean, and I was like, yes! And uh, it was kind of like getting waterboarded, actually. Nobody told me to. <laughs> nobody told me you plug your nose. We, we do a little training course here before we baptize you, so nobody you know, has that scenario. But salt water up the nose, <laughs> glorious. I never forgot that day. <laughs> um, but I did feel different. Like, I really did feel different. Then a, a couple of years later, in the midst of the revival in Toronto, I came to the end of a season where I'd been fighting with God. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. But for me, I was wanting to really have more control in my life uh, than I was wanting to give to God. And so the Lord was speaking to me about going into ministry, and I was speaking to him about how my plans were very different from that. And once we finished that little fight and he won... Uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to actually get baptized today to Mark. I'm heading into a new season with you, God, where you're actually the one in control. Right? Does that make sense? And then uh, uh, two years ago, uh, we were in Israel with the year two graduates, and I got baptized in the Jordan, which was really cold. But really cool, but very cold. Um, and so I've been baptized three times, and I am completely fine with that. But in case you're not completely fine with that, in Acts 19, Paul actually baptizes a group of men for a second time because their revelation of who God is has changed, and so they're rebaptized to signify that change, right? So, are we good? All right, just wanted to make sure. Good, good. Um, so, here's the thing. Did you know that the tradition of baptism actually didn't start with Jesus or even John the Baptist? It is actually part of the Jewish tradition, and it's called mikvah. And so the Jewish people would go and have a mikvah. Um, well, anytime they were going to enter the presence of God, if they were going to go onto the Temple Mount, they would actually go and have a mikvah. they go and sort of self-baptized. They'd walk down one set of stairs, and they'd dunk, and then they'd walk up the other set. Of, and they would, it was like signifying, I'm being made clean and being made ready to enter into the presence of God. I'll show you a picture. Again, this is from uh, two years ago. They have excavated, this is one of the actual mikvahs that would have been around the second temple time period, and it's at the southern end of the temple mount. There's a bunch, they found tons of them little mikvahs, and they're all, uh, the water is sourced from underneath somehow. They're self, it has to be, that's part of the deal, is that the water has to move. Um, but I just remember standing there and looking at all of them and thinking, wow, but I guess it makes sense, because so many people would have been going in and they all had to have a little bath. On the way, yeah. Uh, so mikvahs needed to come from a clean source, 
but they also were absolutely needed. You couldn't actually go into the presence of God without having done this first. It uh, is regarded as a pure, unadulterated avenue of connection with God, just, just going into those waters. And for that reason, it is a place where hope is reawakened and strengthened. That's what they believed, is that hope would be reawakened and strengthened as they went into the mikveh. So that's what I'm believing for next week, right? So every single person who's going to get baptized, I'm believing hope is going to get reawakened and strengthened. Yeah? We sh- I should be keeping a list of... I- I'm going I'm to make one before next week. Make a list. I love lists. Very left-brained of me, but I do. I, I just love them. Um, the Jewish people would also have a mikvah if they were getting ready for a big life change, like before they got married, they would go and have a mikvah. Uh, if they were signifying the end of a season, so like for ladies at the end of cycles, they would always go and have a mikvah. But um, if you were wanting to signify, I'm finished that season and I'm heading into the next season, they would often do that by actually going into the waters of baptism. Right? And so some of us may next, next week may decide, you know what, I have been baptized. This is not a new believing in Jesus, but this is me marking. I am moving into a new season with the Lord and I'm leaving the things behind that were part of that old season. Having said that, that doesn't mean that every single one of us needs to get rebaptized every time we have a new revelation or heading into a new season. All I'm saying is, if your heart is like, oh yeah, I need to do that next week, I want you to pay attention to your heart, right? Because there's a transaction that happens in the waters of baptism, and uh, we don't want to miss it, yeah? The other thing is, is it's a serious wardrobe upgrade. Let's look at Galatians 3. In the NAS it says, for all who were baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I love in the message it says, your baptism in Christ is not just washing you up for a fresh start. It is also involves dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. I think those, that verse makes me think about um, in Ephesians 4, from about the middle of Ephesians 4 to the beginning of Ephesians 6, Paul is talking about there's things that we put off. I won't read the whole passage. We don't have that time. There's things that we put off and there's things that we pull on, right? And he's really talking about old man, new man, which is what's happening in baptism. We're saying old man die, New man, as I step into Jesus, new man, I receive you. Does that make sense? So again, it's, it's an exchange. But here's your sum up. We're putting off lies and anger and theft and gossip and revenge and promiscuity and drunkenness, uh, according to the, pas- the um, passage in Ephesians. And then we're pulling on truth and peace and generosity and encouragement and forgiveness, self-control and being filled with the Spirit. It's a good exchange, right? It's just like, so I'm putting that in the waters next week for everybody. Like, I, do you know what I mean? Like, bring it with you and believe for exchange for every single person next week. 
that something really amazing will happen because that's God loves to do miracles and he's still in the business, right? I think so much of kingdom living is about exchange and it's about the exchange that Jesus made possible, but we have to appropriate. We have to choose to live in, yeah? A bit more about the what that happens, this spiritual transaction I think it's powerful, and I think we see a lot of what it is, again, in that passage in Romans 6. So we've already read it once, but now we're going to read it in the message. Can I tell you the advantage of reading something in a version that is not familiar to you? You hear things and you see things that you didn't see before, right? So I love reading in in some of the more modern translations because it kind of shakes me up a little bit to notice something that I didn't see before. And then I go back and look at the NAS and I go, oh yeah, it was there. I didn't see it. So let's do this in the message. Romans 6, verse 1. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign... How can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going in our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call, what we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. Not awesome? We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal to the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive in Christ. That is what Jesus did. So, Baptism is a symbolic ritual, but it's also an acknowledgement and it is a celebration of the atonement that Jesus made ready for us. It's amazing, right? I've seen amazing things happen in baptism, in those exchanges. I've seen people get healed when they get baptized. Going in with something, coming out, and it's gone, which makes total sense to me because that part died, right? That's like so cool, guys. Bring your faith with you next week, yeah? 
we're being baptized into that new creation. Um, I want to just, I'll show you a little picture and I'll, I'll read you this. It says, this is actually people uh, doing a first century process uh, that was called BAPTO. Um, so it's talking, this is talking about where the word baptism came from. It says, this makes sense if you realize that baptize is a transliteration of the original Greek word baptizo. In turn, baptizo comes from the root word bapto, a term used, used, sorry, in the first century for immersing a garment first into bleach and then into dye, both cleansing and changing the color of the cloth permanently. I think that's so cool. That's the root of the word. So they had an understanding that there's a cleansing and a permanent change that happens in this moment of baptism. Great, right? So good. Romans 8, verse 15. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously, it's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? So that's what we're doing. As we head towards God, as we continue to work out our salvation and find community and learn to love one another and all the things that we're doing, we're at the same time saying, I don't partner with anything of the old life, right? I'm living from this new place and we're embracing that fullness that's on offer. So having said all of that, next week we're having a party. And next Sunday morning, we are baptizing people at both services with our fancy baptismal tanks. They're even usually heated. I don't want to make promises. <laughs> Since we couldn't shut off the lights today, let's say we hope they'll be heated. It's going to be fine either way. Um, so during both services, um, and whether you want to be baptized next week because of a new commitment to Jesus... Uh, or a fresh understanding of who he is, or to partner with the changing of seasons, whatever the reason is, uh, we ask that you'd actually go to gracecenter.us and sign up, because that's how we're going to organize this whole thing, okay? So if you would go and sign up by the 27th, which is, I think, Wednesday, that would help us a lot in terms of getting it all organized, and you'll receive an email that tells you all the details about what to bring and where to go and all that kind of stuff so that we can make it all work well. And you'll also get to pick who baptizes you. So there's a menu there of the pastors that are able to baptize next week. And you can, you can, what was that, Josh? Uh, there's a limited menu of, <laughs> it's like the brunch menu. There's a limited menu. Um, so you can pick through from the people that are actually on that. Uh, if you would like to get baptized, and we would love to be a part of that. I'll warn you now, ladies, I always cry at baptisms. It's a thing. So waterproof mascara is your friend. and uh, or, or none. No mascara is fine, too. Um, but if you would sign up, that would help us a lot. And if you would remember when you get up in the morning to bring all your faith with you for transformation, for everybody getting baptized, that would be great. Yeah, so as a family, we're going to get to celebrate something amazing. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get baptized next week. I'm going to wait till the end so that my hair looks nice for the beginning.
You want me to tell them? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get baptized next week. The Lord's been just chatting with me about that, and I was like, uh, actually, the last season's been so hard, and I feel like I'm having a hard time shaking it off. And I felt like the Lord was like, I want you to get baptized, so I'm, I'm gonna do that next week too. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. Love y'all. Let's have fun next week, okay? Eh?